Chapter Twenty One of Nobody's Man by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Seven. For some weeks after his chief's dinner party, Talent slackened a little in his grim devotion to work. A strangely quiescent period of day-by-day -day political history enabled him to be absent from his place in the house for several evenings during the week and although he spent a good many hours with dartrey at demos house carefully discussing and elaborating next season's program he still found himself with time to spare and with jane's note buttoned up in his pocket he deliberately turned his face towards life in its more genial and human aspect he dined one night at the club to which he had belonged for many years a club frequented chiefly by distinguished literary men successful barristers and a sprinkling of actors his arrival created at first almost a sensation a slight feeling of constraint even amongst the little gathering of men drinking their aperitifs in the lounge under the stairs somehow or other there was a feeling that many of the old ties had been broken talent stood for new and menacing things in politics he had to a certain extent cut himself adrift from the world which starts at eton and at oxford and ends by making mild puns on the judicial bench or uttering sonorous platitudes from a properly accredited seat in the house fully appreciating the atmosphere nevertheless made strenuous and not unsuccessful efforts to pick up the old threads he abandoned even the moderation of his daily life he drank cocktails champagne and port laughed heartily at the stories of the day and ransacked his brain to cap them of bridge unfortunately he knew nothing but he played pool with some success and left the club late leaving behind him curiously mingled opinions as to the cause for this sudden return to his old haunts he himself walked through the streets on his way homeward conscious of at least partial success feeling the pleasurable warmth of the wine he had drunk and the companionship for which he had so strenuously sought he found himself thinking almost enviously of the men with whom he had associated philipson with whom he had been at college with three plays running at different theatres interested even fascinated by his work chaffing gaily with his principal actor as to the rendering of some of his lines then there was Fardell, also a schoolfellow, now a police magistrate, full of dry and pleasant humor, called by his intimates the Beak. Amberson, poseur and dilettante thirty years ago, but always a good fellow, now an acknowledged master of English prose and a critic whose word was unquestioned. These men, one and all, seemed to be up to the neck in life, kept young and human by the taste of it, upon their palate the contemplation of their whole-sided existence their sound combination of work and play produced in him a sort of jealousy for he knew that there was something behind it which he lacked the night was bright and dry and there were still crowds about leicester square piccadilly circle and piccadilly itself as he walked he looked into the faces of the women who passed him by struggling against his old abhorrence as against one of the sickly offshoots of an over-eclectic epicureanism they typified not vice but weakness the unhappy result of man's 
inevitable revolt against unnatural laws yet even then the mingled purity and priggishness encouraged by years of repression forbade any vital change in his sentiments the toleration for which he sought when it made its grudging appearance was mingled with dislike and distrust he breathed more freely as he turned into the quieter street in which his rooms were situated passing them by however crossing Curzon street and embarking upon a brief pilgrimage which had become almost a nightly one within a very few minutes he paused before a certain number in a street even more secluded than his own at last the thing which he had so greatly anticipated had happened there were lights in the house from top to bottom jane had arrived he walked slowly back and forth several times the music in his blood stirred already by the wine he had drunk and the revival of old memories moved to a new and more wonderful tune he knew now without any possibility of self-deception exactly what he had been waiting for exactly where all his thoughts and hopes for the future were centred was she there now he wondered gazing at the windows like a moonstruck boy he lingered about and fate was kind to him a limousine swung around the corner and pulled up in front of the door a few minutes later the footman on the box sprang down he heard her voice as she said good-bye to someone the car rolled smoothly away she crossed the pavement with an involuntary glance at the tall approaching figure jane he exclaimed she stood quite still with the latch-key in her hand the car was out of sight now and they seemed to be almost alone in the street at first there was something almost unfamiliar in her rather startled face her coiffured hair her bare neck with its collar of diamonds there was a moment of suspense then he saw something flash into her eyes and he was glad to be there you she exclaimed a little breathlessly he plunged into explanations my rooms are close by here in charges street he told her i was walking home from the club and saw you step out of the car how could you know that i was coming to-day she asked i only telephoned alice after i arrived to tell you the truth he confessed i have got into the habit of walking this way home in case well to-night i have my reward she turned the key in the latch and pushed the door open you must come in she invited isn't it too late what does that matter so long as i ask you he followed her gladly into the hall closing the door behind him that wretched switch is somewhere near here she said feeling along the wall her fingers suddenly met his and stayed passive in his grasp she turned a little around as she realized the nearness of him jane he whispered i have wanted you so much for a single moment she rested in his arms a wonderful moment inexplicable voluptuous stirring him to the very depths then she slipped away her fingers sought the wall once more and the place was flooded with light you must come in here for a moment she said opening the nearest door i shall not ask you to share my milk and i am afraid i don't know where to get you a whiskey and soda but you can light a cigarette and just tell me how things are and when you are coming to see me he followed her into a comfortable little apartment furnished in mid-victorian fashion but with an easy chair drawn up to the brightly burning fire on a table near was a glass of milk and some biscuits 
the ermine cloak slipped from her shoulders she stood with one foot upon the fender half turned towards him his eyes rested upon her filled with a great hunger well she queried you are wonderful he murmured she laughed and for a moment her eyes fell but my dear man she said i don't want compliments i want to know the news there is none he answered we are marking time while horlock digs his own grave you have been amusing yourself indifferently i dined the other night with dartrey to-night at the sheridan club the most exciting thing in the twenty-four hours has been my nightly pilgrimage round here how idiotic she laughed supposing you had not happened to meet me you could scarcely have rung my bell at this hour of the night i should have been content to have seen the lights and to have known that you had arrived you dear man she exclaimed with a sudden smile a smile of entire and sweet friendliness i like the thought of your doing that it is something to know that one is welcome when one breaks away from the routine of one's life as i have tell me why you have done it he asked she looked back into the fire everything was going a little wrong she explained one of my farmers was troublesome and the snow had stopped work and hunting we lost thirty of our best ewes last week i found i was getting out of temper with everybody and everything so i suddenly remembered that i had an empty house here and came up to the city of adventures he murmured she shrugged her shoulders london has never seemed like that to me i find it generally a very ugly and a very sordid place where i am hedged in with relatives generally wanting me to do the thing i loathe you have really no news for me then none except that i am glad to see you when will you come and have a long talk will you dine with me to-morrow night he begged eagerly in the afternoon i have committee meetings thursday afternoon you could come down to the house if you cared to of course i should but hadn't you better dine here she suggested i can ask alice and another man i want to see you alone he insisted for the first time at any rate then will you take me to that little place you told me of in soho she suggested i don't want a whole crowd to know that i am in town just yet don't think that it sounds vain but people have such a habit of almost carrying one off one's feet i want to prowl about london and do ordinary things one or two theatres perhaps but no dinner parties i shan't stay long i don't suppose as soon as i hear from mr segerson that the snow has gone and that terrible north wind has died away i know i shall be wanting to get back you are very conscientious about your work there he complained don't you ever realize that you may have an even more important mission here for a single moment she seemed troubled her manner when she spoke had lost something of its calm graciousness really she said well you must tell me all about it to-morrow night i shall wear a hat and you must not order the dinner beforehand i don't mind your ordering the table because i like a corner but we must sail into the place just like any other two wanderers it is agreed he bent over her fingers his good angel and his instinct of sensibility which was always appraising her attitude towards him prompted his study farewell you will let yourself out she begged i have taken off my cloak and i could not face that wind of course he answered i shall call for you at a quarter to eight 
to-morrow night i only wish i could make you understand what it means to have that to look forward to if you can make me believe that she answered gravely perhaps i shall be glad that i have come End of chapter twenty one